Good morning, church. And yes, I hear you from the house. It is so good to be with you to start out this year together. And, uh, and I got to let you know, and, and Monty's here, and I, I can't wait till next week, right? It's going to be so good to have all of us back together in a live service. We're really looking forward to that, making plans that you'll be here with us. Okay, so how do we describe, possibly describe 2020? Uh, it's just indescribable, isn't it? it? It's just simply indescribable. But I did find some quotes that might help us understand what we've all experienced this last year. How about this one? The only thing I gained in 2020 was weight. Amen to that. How about this one? First time in history we saved the human race by laying in front of the TV and doing nothing. I like this one. So far... 2020 is like looking both ways before you cross the street and then getting hit by an airplane. I love this one. Day seven of social distancing, it really should say day seven of quarantine. Struck up a conversation with a spider today. He seems nice. He's a web designer. All right, how about this one? I'm not working out with a mask is my new favorite excuse for not working out at all. Then this one. Parents could understand this one. One dad said, um, I'm not going to say I'm going to stink at homeschooling with my kids, but my daughter asked me, Dad, what's a synonym in? And I said, it's a spice. We spent so much time at home, here's what we're beginning to think about. This one woman said, day 156,842 of quarantine. My husband's nostrils make me very uncomfortable. But we did it. We did it. We ushered out 2020, not that we had a whole lot of control over what that was about, but most of us, if not all of us, are, are glad 2020 is gone. It's like what Mac David said, Mac Davis said, we're so excited that 2020 is in our rearview mirror. And with the beginning of 2021, we're, we have a lot of hopes and dreams. We have a lot of desires of something better. Something better than what we experienced in 2020. But as we approach the new year, I, I think there's some serious questions that we have to ask as Christians. One question is, what if 2021 is not any better than 2020? As a Christian, how, how am I supposed to respond to that? How, how do I approach that? And I know we really don't want to hear this one. What if 2021 is worse than 2020? And and as a Christian, how how am I to respond to that? What, What am I supposed to do with that? Or maybe, just maybe, and hopefully this is it, maybe 2021 is going to be a whole lot better. And that's what we're hoping for, aren't we? We're we're hoping 2021's a whole lot better. And, and we're hoping that things sort of get back to the way they were. And as Christians, though, how am I supposed to respond to that? And, and here's, what I'm, here's what I'm trying to say with all this is, is my life and my faith and my daily walk determined by the future events of an unknown or upcoming year? And, and, and what I'm saying is, is I'm, I'm not saying that we are to be these emotionless drones that have no feeling about the future. But 
We know from Scripture that, that all, as Christians we do suffer. And, and there's bad things that are going on in the world that do impact us. But as I look at this unknown future, as I look at the upcoming year, how do I look at this upcoming year and not only participate, but come along God's side and, and actually do something this upcoming year? It's, it's what Monty had talked about in our introduction. We want to look forward to what's coming up in, the, in 2021. And, and how do I come alongside and position myself and participate in God's work in this world? I want to let you know that... Um, we're not the first, nor are we the last. And what I mean is, is that as Christians, we need to understand that we're not the first or the last to face this perilous, unknown future. Scripture is full of stories of godly men and women who faced and confronted the unknown future. And yet they positioned themselves to pursue participate in God's work. And I, I want to give you a few examples of this. I, I think about Moses. I think about after 400 years of slavery, Moses the murderer is sitting out in the middle of the desert watching sheep. And all of a sudden God calls him to go down and to wrench from this powerful nation, Israel, and, and, and to lead them into this, this unknown future. I think about Joshua after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And as he sits there looking across the Jordan River, scared, wondering, what is it going to be like? What's the, the unknown land of the milk and honey that he's going to conquer? I think about Nehemiah, who's told to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And, and he doesn't even know the extent of the damage. And when he gets there, he realizes that he is going to have outside opposition to the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. I think about John the Baptist. Hundreds and hundreds of years. John the Baptist, this backwoods, strangely dressed prophet, is going to tell and prepare a way for the Messiah, which honestly, in, in many respects, is, it may be unknown to him. I think about the huddled group of men and women who have just lost their leader, Jesus. And they're in this, this room and they're praying and they're wondering about this unknown future of God's kingdom and, and how they will participate in that. And the list goes on and on and on of biblical events and, biblical, and godly men and women who are faced with this daunting and unknown future. And yet, and yet, they position themselves so that God's work will continue in this world. See, here's the point. Life has always been unknown. Life has always been unknown for people of faith. We're not the only ones facing this. So here's the thing. What do I have to do to position myself and participate in this work that God's going to do in this unknown future of ours, in this, this upcoming year? 
And, and I really believe, and, and i got to ask this of the men and women we, we just talked about, and other men and women in Scripture, what did they do? How did they position themselves to participate in God's work? And I, I really believe it begins with their thinking. I, begin, I believe it begins of what they thought about God, His control, and how He was going to use them in the unknown future, in the upcoming events. And I, I think it starts with our thinking. There's a quote by James Allen. He's a, a famous British philosopher. I'm sure you've heard this quote. It says this, As a man thinketh in his heart, so shall he be. If we put this modern slant on this quote, it would go something like this. What I think about life is how I'm going to live life. Long before Allen spoke these words, Words, Scripture bears out this indelible link between what I think and the way I act. We don't know what the future holds. We just don't. But neither did the men and women whose lives are portrayed in Scriptures. But if we don't know the future, how do we position our thinking so that it does not outweigh the wonderful work God is going to do through them and in their world. What principles anchored their thinking so that they could face the unknown future? And I believe the first one was this. They believed that God was in control. And they believed that He was working in the world. And, and not that they could always see that clearly. Not that they could always piece all that together, but they... They believed with all of their heart that he was working in the world and that, and that he was going to do something, something really important, something big. I want you to think about, look how Habakkuk positioned himself. The prophet Habakkuk, he, um, he didn't like what was going on in Israel at the time. He looked around and all he saw was evil and wickedness. And he prays to God and he says, God, here's what I want you to do. I want you to correct what's going on in this nation. And God says, I want to let you know I'm going to answer that prayer, Habakkuk. And I'm going to answer the prayer in a way that you are probably not expecting. And I'm going to answer the prayer this way. I'm going to send in the wicked Babylonians to conquer Israel. And that's how I'm going to solve the evil in Israel. Habakkuk was outraged. Habakkuk could not understand how in the world God could do this. But I want to let you know that Habakkuk didn't stay there. In Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 20, he, he finally comes. He, he realizes that God is at work in this world. And God has a work to do in this world. And he believes God is going to do that. And in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 20, he said, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be still before him. See, Habakkuk did not, did not allow the things in the world, this, uh, this unknown future, this, this unknown events coming up. He positioned himself in a way where he believed that God was going to do this work. I think about how the New Testament church positioned themselves. 
In Acts chapter 4, we see the very beginning. We see the very, very beginning of a persecution that comes upon the church. We see in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 3 and 4, what happens is is that Peter and John, they're hauled before the religious leaders and they are told not to preach or teach in Jesus' name. And they're at a crossroads. And the church is at a crossroads. It's at a critical time at the church. And here's what they were faced with. Do we obey? Do we obey the religious leaders of the time, the powerful religious leaders of the time, or do we obey Jesus? And we continue to preach in his name. And we get a clue of what they decided in Acts chapter 4. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 4 and verse 24. And the New Testament church did not let the events of the world outweigh their conviction of what they needed to do. Acts chapter 4 and verse 24, it says this. When they heard this, that Peter and John had been released from prison, when they heard the words of what Peter and John had encouraged them to do, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They didn't allow the events of this world to outweigh their conviction that God is working in this world and that he is in control. Honestly, 2020 has been a hard year to figure out, hadn't it, Monty? It's been, a, it's been a hard year to figure out. Like Chris talked about last week, 2020 is this dim mirror, and it's this dim mirror, and I'm not sure all God has done or all God will do in 2020, with 2020, but here's what I'm really confident about. I'm confident this. I am confident that God will carry out his eternal purposes. And he has two eternal purposes that he will carry out using even the events in 2020. And the first one is this, his desire that all men come to salvation. And number two, that his name is glorified in this earth. And I am confident, I am confident that he's in control and he's working. But there's some tough questions that we need to ask ourselves as Christians. And the first question is this, do we really believe, do we really believe that God is in control of this world? And the other question that we need to ask is, do we really believe that God is at work in this world? And as Christians, are we going to, are we allowing the events of this world to outweigh us from seeing what God's work and His control in this world is? Are we allowing just the events that are surrounding us to outweigh what we're seeing, the work and the control of God's doing in this world? And here's the thing. Are we positioning our thinking? Are we positioning our thinking so that we could participate in God's work in this world. Not only did they believe that God was in control, that he was was working in this world, but they also believed that God was going to use them specifically in a very, very special way to carry out the purposes of this world. 
Let me give you some examples. God, who was fully aware of the circumstances that Moses faced, and to say that Moses was reluctant is an understatement. (laughs) Reluctant is not the word we use with Moses. He did not want to go. He did not want to go. But there, if you read very carefully Exodus chapter 3, 4, and 5, there's a change in Moses. There's a transformation in Moses. And the transformation comes from, the, from going from this reluctant witness all the way over to be fully convicted, fully convicted that God was going to use him to free the nation of Israel. He was fully convicted about that. I think about Joshua. Again, as he stands on the banks of the Jordan River, and he's looking out, and he may even see Jericho, right? Those thick old walls out there. And when you get the, the sense in, in, in Joshua chapter 1 that he's struggling with courage. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. But God, I'll let you know is this. By the time he puts his feet to cross the Jordan River, here's what he's convicted of. He is convicted that God is going to use him to take the promised land. I, I, think about, I think about the first disciples, specifically the apostles. After Jesus' death, we know what shape they're in. They all, they all just run away. They scatter to the winds. Everybody does, leaving Jesus alone at the cross. And what's interesting, over a 40-day period, what Jesus will do will repeatedly appear to the disciples, the apostles, over and over again. And he's going to take them from this scattered, scared group. And by the time he goes back up to heaven, by the time he ascends to heaven, they are convicted of this, that they're going to go to Jerusalem. And at Jerusalem... Something very special is going to happen to them. And they're going to be a part of the kingdom of God that starts in Jerusalem. That's going to go to Judea. It's going to go to Samaria. And it's going to go to the ends of the earth. I don't know what's going to happen in 2021. I just don't know. But here's what I am convicted about. I am convicted that God will use me. And that God will use you. And that he will carry out his work in this world. He will carry out the work of seeing men come to Jesus. Men and women come to Jesus Christ. And he will see that his name is glorified in this world. It's the promise that we see in Philippians chapter 2 verse 13, isn't it? it, it it's, this, it's this promise that we see. When it says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, it says that God is at work in who? Us. To will and to act according to His good pleasure. You see, it's imperative. Our thinking is imperative. As we look into this new year, as we look into the unknown future, of 20 and 21. 
But it's just more than our thinking, though. It's more than just what we think. It's actually how we participate in our lives. It's how we will participate in our lives. There are actions that need to be taken so that we could come along with God, come along God's side in 2021 and walk with Him as He works into this world. And I think there's this idea of this, that before I participate, i got to prepare. i got to prepare before I participate. And before I can participate, i got to prepare. And, and this preparation looks something like this. I need to view my life as God views my life. Let me say that one more time. I've got to view my life as God views my life. And what God says is this to me. I have set you aside for a very, very special purpose. It's it's gathered in a few words in Scripture. In the Old Testament, it's the word consecration. In the New Testament, it's the word sanctify or even saints. And what it means is this, is that through the work of Jesus Christ... God has set us apart. He has set us apart for a very, very special purpose. That that we are holy to the Lord. That we're sacred for Him. And and we understand and and we fully and freely admit this, that that act of consecration or that act of sanctification or God setting us apart as saints was done by Jesus at the cross. It was done by that great sacrifice, his unbelievable sacrifice at the cross, where he shed his blood, and, and by his blood we, we are set apart. We are sacred to the Lord. And, and we see this action particularly in baptism. In Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, Ananias will tell Paul, Paul, what are you waiting around for? I want you to get up and I want you to be baptized and I want you to wash away your sins. It's that our baptism, what God does is He, he washes us, he, he cleanses us, which is, a, which is critical to the idea of consecration or sanctification or being set apart for God's purpose. But there's one other thing. There's one other thing that is, that is wrapped up, that is that is tied to this idea of preparing ourselves so that we could participate. And it's this concept that we are going to get rid of everything, anything in our lives that will hinder us, that will contaminate us from God's special purpose in our lives. It's the concept that we find in Ephesians and in Colossians and, and other places in Scripture, but you could see those on the, on the screen specifically. It's this idea of this. You're to put to death these things and make alive these things. You're to take off this and you're to put on that. And you see this action over and over and over again in Scripture that if I am going to prepare myself Number one, as I submit to Him and I, and I trust He will do what He said He would do at the waters of baptism. But it's also this action that I do over and over again in my life. Every day I get up, every morning that I walk this earth, there's something that I have to do and that is this. I have to honestly look at my life and go, I've got to get rid of this and I've got to put on this. 
I've got to get rid of this. I've got to take this off and I've got to put this on. I've got to put that to death so I could be alive over here. And that's what we do to prepare to participate in what God's work is doing. And honestly, when we do that, it's not that we're not impacted by events around us, but what really counts may not be. In fact, I'm going to go out here on a limb and say, it really isn't the events that surround us in this world. It's what I do with that walk, that consecrated walk, that sanctifying walk. That's the thing that really, really counts. And that prepares me to do two really important works. And the first one is this. There's this participation in my life. There's something that is important for me to do, to, to walk alongside God and, and to participate in this unknown future. And the first one is this, is we got to pray. We must pray. When the future was unknown... When God's people faced the unexpected, when there was a work to be done, let me just tell you what the people of God did. They always prayed. They always prayed. Think about this. Before Nehemiah began working to rebuild the walls, he prayed. Daniel prayed three times a day as he, as he faced this antagonistic culture that he was in. Jesus prayed as he began his ministry, before he chose his apostles, and before he went to the cross. The disciples prayed, waiting for what God would do on the day of Pentecost. The Peter was praying when the angel showed up to tell him to go talk to Cornelius, the first Gentile in the church. The church prayed as they sent out Barnabas and Saul on their very first missionary journey. You're getting the point, right? You're getting the point, right? Prayer positions us to see what God wants us to do. Not only does it position us, but prayer also calls on His power to help us to do His work, God's work, in this world. It also does this. Prayer sustains us, doesn't it? Prayer sustains us, and, and, and it gives us hope. And it anchors us when we become discouraged. The events of 2020 are unknown to us. But i got to tell you, I don't know what they're going to bring. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad, but I know this. We must be a praying people. We must be a praying people. Whatever happens in the upcoming year... We set ourselves apart for God's special work. we got to pray. But there's something really important for us to do. There's something really, really important for us to do. And that is this. We position ourselves to help people so they could see Jesus clearly. I've, I've always been attracted. I, I just, it, it's always attracted me, John the Baptist, his where we would say job description. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 3. 
And in Luke chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, it's going to tell what John the Baptist is supposed to do in preparation for Jesus coming. And it says this, as it written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice, one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. All right, what are you going to do, John? Well, first off, I want you to make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all of mankind will, what? See God's salvation. Here's what John did. John simply positioned people so they could see Jesus clearly. And here's the beautiful thing for us as we look to 2021, as, as Monty charged us at the beginning to look to the future, to look what's ahead. Here's what we do as God's people. We just position ourselves to help people see Jesus clearly. That's what we do. And it's going to look different, isn't it? It's going to look like, it may look something like this. I know this, though. The first thing it is, it is having a lifestyle that makes the gospel or the good news of Jesus attractive. Look at Titus chapter 2 and verse 10. It means this, that if people are going to see Jesus clearly, that I'm going to prepare people to see Jesus clearly, Jesus has to be seen clearly first in me. It may mean something like this. It may be coming alongside friends and co-workers and relatives. Coming alongside them and walking with them through pain, through trials, through temptations. It may be having a very loving conversation with somebody who's in the grip of sin and pleading with them to get rid of the sin in their lives so that they could see Jesus clearly. Whatever is needed, whatever is needed, let us make this upcoming year a time when all we do is all we go around and all we do is we just help people see Jesus clearly. And that we're just, it's not accidental, but it's intentional. It's what's on our minds in the morning when we wake up. It's what we think about during the day. It's what we go to bed with at night. It's what we pray about in our prayers is this. God, use me in some shape, form, or fashion to move me, to let people see Jesus clearly. Do whatever you need to in my life so that I could help position people so they could see the Savior clearly. And if we'll do that, if we'll do that, I really believe that the events of the world around us will not outweigh our mission and our purpose. I don't know what's going to happen in this upcoming year. I just don't know. Only God knows that. But here's what I do know. Here's, here's what I do know. The outcome of the upcoming year depends more on our walk and our obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ than it does the world events around us. And I want to say that one more time. The outcome, the outcome of the upcoming year depends more on our walk and our obedience to Jesus Christ than any event that's going to take place in this world around us. 
So specifically, here's what I would say today is this. It's time. It's time for us to get our hearts and our minds right at what God is doing in this world that he is in control and that he is doing a work in this world and that God is going to use us in a mighty way in this upcoming year and that we need to prepare ourselves to participate, that we need to see ourselves as holy to the Lord. And then we got to start praying. And we got to start praying. And we got to start praying a lot. And finally is this. We just walk around and we help people see Jesus clearly. And and here's what I want to say. May God help us in the upcoming year, the unknown world, the the unknown events of 2021 to carry out this sacred task that he has given us. Today, if you're unsure, if you're unsure about your standing in the Lord, If you're unsure about God's purpose and work in your life, I want to let you know we're here to help you. And you could contact us at this email address, and I promise you this. I promise you that we will contact you and we will help you so that our faith is not outweighed by the events of this world. May God help us in this task.